Angie from Career Benders here with the No More Mondays podcast, where I have the opportunity to talk to people who actually enjoy what they do for work. Today, we're flipping the script, and I would like to welcome the producer of the No More Mondays podcast, Jane Durkee, who is going to interview me. We thought it would be a really fun idea to turn the tables in this bonus episode and go in-depth into this host's motivations as an entrepreneur, host, and podcaster. Jane, take it away. Hi, Angie. It's so great to be here. And I'm so excited to have the chance to dig into your brain and share it with our listeners today. This is great. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. As as people who know me well have found out, I have no shortage of opinions and thoughts on things. So I have a feeling we're going to be able to talk for a while. I think so too. This will be great. Okay, so this first question could be the dreaded question, but I think it's great for you. Tell me about yourself. Ah, the traditional start to every interview today. So many people hate this question, and I'm actually going to give a, probably a slightly extended, a good example version of kind of how to uh, how to navigate this this challenging question. Um, and I'll I'll start with the kind of the you know the summary of my my backstory is. Um, Start, it started in engineering. So I went to college for civil engineering and I knew when I was a junior in college, it was not going to be my life's work. I actually looked into changing my major a few times and uh, nothing, just nothing really worked out. And so I stuck with it and I ended up uh, practicing in the industry for about eight years. And uh, I lived in Boston for most of my engineering career and had the opportunity to move out here to Colorado as a transfer through the company I worked with. That's actually kind of an instrumental part of, you know, my whole story, as I'm sure we'll get into later with Colorado and the outdoors and everything. But uh, I moved, I moved to Colorado as a civil engineer and started work on the very unfortunate date of September 8th, 2008. Oh my goodness. And I think about three days after I started work, Lehman Brothers crashed and the whole economy tanked. And in that economic downturn, the real estate and construction and architecture worlds were very, very much uh, impacted. Yeah. And I, I took that as an opportunity to say, I kept my job, but it was like, hi, you can rewind seven years and be an intern sitting at a, a desk doing CAD all day. And I was like, yep, this is my out. <laughs> so um, I, I think that the following move uh, in, in hindsight inspires some of the way I coach and why I wanted to career coach, because I definitely jumped into a career change journey in the middle of a bad economy with no plan. Not something I entirely recommend to clients nowadays. But uh, I went on a little just kind of exploration for a year or so, completely unexpectedly landed in the world of nonprofits. I was there for about seven years in a growing capacity. In the last four and a half years, I was actually an ex executive director of an arts organization. So when people tell me that they're going to get locked into a career path, I look at them and I go, I'm a civil engineer who ran an arts organization. And it kind of <laughs> opens their minds to the possibilities a little bit. Yeah. And uh, so... Oh, can I ask a clarifying question? Absolutely. That, that, that was great. You mentioned early on that you realized that civil engineering wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about how you realized that. Well, and I think this is a this is a perfect time to jump in and, and ask that clarification because it's really relevant to where I'm about to go. I, as a as a high schooler, did not have that I want to go BX inspiration. Dad was my high school math teacher for three years. I had him for all the accelerated math classes. And when I was trying to figure out what to go to college for, good old dad was like, well, and you're good at math and science. Maybe you should be an engineer. 
okay, I'll pick civil engineering because it's the one where you get to talk to people the most. If that's the basis of which you select your engineering discipline, red flag. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And and ultimately, that's a big part of it, is it? And this was both this was true both in my education and once I was in the actual work environment. I am much more of a visionary person with kind of like an equally creative and analytical brain. And engineering did not feed the creative side. I'm not artistic, but I have that strategy component that engineering was almost a little bit just too, it was a little too detailed for me yeah. and definitely not communicative enough. And fast forward to the time of being an executive director of a nonprofit that had a ton of growth potential that gave me the opportunity to tap into a lot of those things that I can articulate now, but didn't understand about myself at age 22 to 26. Um, and all okay. of that is what laid the foundation to start career benders. I've always had an entrepreneurial side hustle throughout the years, but it never kind of clicked and made sense or was successful as an actual business opportunity um, until career benders came. You know, for somebody like you to have that self-awareness in that case, you didn't really know what you didn't know until you were engaged in the actual work. Exactly. And I think that's a hard thing about just selecting a career path at age 18 today. There's so little we know about the world and about the possibilities. And it's very much kind of dictated by where we come from and what our parents know and don't know, what our you know culture is like, where our hometowns are. And there's just so many big worlds. And that's what is so great about just the market today is when I was when I was going to college 20 almost it was 20 years ago Jane when I was going to college 20 years ago um, the, there was still this idea that you were going to go to school you were going to get a major and you were going to do that job for 30 years maybe you would change employers once or twice but effectively you were going to be in that career path forever and in my opinion the timing of the 2008 recession, along with the age and introduction of millennials into the workforce, really disrupted that. And now the possibilities are endless. Uh, I was actually talking to a young, like 22, 23-year-old senior civil engineering student the other day, and he's struggling with whether or not to stay in that degree path because he's worried that if he chooses not to be an engineer, he's going to be stuck in it. And the best uh, the, the best proof I could give him was myself. Yeah. Um, and that's what's really cool about just kind of the professional world today is is not only is moving around or kind of alternative career paths welcome, I actually think it's kind of expected. What you just said is so fascinating. The fact that not only is it expected from the employee point of view, but also from the other side, that employers are looking for people to have that breadth and depth over their career path. Absolutely. And it's fun for me to help people explore that and figure out exactly how to kind of put that map together and see where the stepping stones go. Perfect segue to the next question. So given all that foundation and and the story and the evolution that you went through combined with, you know, your self-awareness and really looking at yourself in a holistic point of view for what you needed and wanted, what prompted you to start Career Benders? As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I've always had some sort of side hustle. And, and when I look back on them and think about what each one of them looked like, they all had the common theme of wanting to help people 
people be better versions of themselves. As somebody who's taken the non-traditional path of especially somebody my age, a lot of times I'll hear people say this, uh, this came a lot when I moved to Colorado because I live in the mountains of Colorado. I live in ski town, USA. And I had friends back East who were like, Oh, you're living my life. I'm so jealous. And in my back of my head, I'm like, you could do this too. And I think that in, I think that in America specifically, we tend to accept the status quo and accept mediocrity a little bit more than we should um, be uh, largely because of the inherent risks that may be involved. And um, I think that really drove this interest in specifically in coaching. So when I looked back at all the side hustles I had and this common theme of wanting to be wanting people to be better versions of themselves, along with the practical component of I wanted a low overhead, low startup cost business. And third, feeling like I at this point in my life have had enough experiences and had a clear perspective to coach people. It really just made sense. So I knew, and this is the funny little kind of anecdote, but I, I knew I wanted to have a coaching business, but I was I was kind of trying to figure out what the specialty was g- going to be because I didn't want to just be a life coach. And I tend to really, I didn't, I'm really good in the practical tactical. And yeah. so I wanted that to come into play. And I literally was talking to a friend of mine. On, she was she's one of my best friends from college. She and I were having our kind of annual holiday chat at the end of 2017. And she said the following, I don't even remember the rest of the context, Jane. She said the following to me. Well, I was talking to a career coach and it was like somebody smacked me in the head. And I think <laughs> eight days later, I had I owned careerbenders.com. I had a crappy clip art logo and I had a business <laughs> and I was ready to go. <laughs> Thinking about that moment when she said that to you, can you tap into why that was such a aha moment for you? And it's really cool to have an aha moment. I think we all, yeah. that's such a buzzy term that we throw out there. And it's like, what's I your know. aha moment? And you sit there I and you kind of search around and you're like, I have one. <laughs> Um, I I think a, a big thing of what I was thinking about was that I have a clear sp- perspective on career, career path and career change. I can do that, I think, is the aha element in my head that and that is the specific focus I want to help people with in their lives. Yeah. So to you, it was that just seemed so logical and bingo. Logical uh, is yeah. T- yeah. And I I do suffer from a healthy dose of logic. There's a, <laughs> it, it's part inherent and part rooted from engineering school and being an engineer that will never go away. But I think that that's an excellent word to attach with it. It was like it was it was an inspired, logical path to take that initial initial idea of wanting to be a coach. The two words, you know, career benders. Yeah. What, how did that come about? <laughs> okay. So this is actually kind of funny because I, again, things that you can specifically remember what you're, where you're doing it and what you were doing. I knew I wanted the word career in the business's name. And side note, I'm a big fan of business names, not Angie Callen coaching. Um, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer and embracer of the we mentality. And so I knew I wanted to have a, have an actual like business name and I wanted the word career in it because I wanted it to be logical and say what we did, but also be beneficial for SEO. And then I started thinking about, and this is actually kind of a fun evolution of just the brand of career benders and how far we've come. But at this point, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to help people do. And I was very driven by that idea of kind of rising above the status quo, pushing mediocrity behind and taking ownership of your path. And so at that point, I came up with the tagline of shape your future. And I started thinking, okay, career shapers is dumb. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so my, I love. I went to the th- I went to thesaurus.com and I started like looking around for synonyms. Came across bend and was like, huh, career benders. I went to I went to the domain my domain registration and careerbenders.com was available and I was boom done. <laughs> and I mean that's a, that, that all that all kind of unraveled over several hours of of thinking, but. Uh, that's basically how it went. And it's funny because it was crappy. The crappy clip art logo was a little barbell bending. <laughs> um, and so it's just, you know, that's what your infant, your infant, your infant brand looks like. Over the course of the now three years that I've been doing this, I realized how much people struggle with confidence in the career world. And I think that's a large reason why we stay where we're at. Um, and so I, I came across this concept of kind of inst- inspiring confident professionals, which is now both our mission and our tagline and the whole new shiny, very elevated, appropriate for the level of business we have brand aligns with that. Hearing that story is so incredible to me because you can picture how your brain is working by the way you describe that and how all of those elements connected together for you. And it was, it was a clear synthesis. You realized exactly where you wanted to fit in and how you wanted to design that for yourself. And that's really inspiring. And actually, in, in hindsight, because and here's the other thing that was interesting. And I I didn't go out and look up career coaches and see what they were doing. I knew I had a clear perspective and could go do this. And I did it. Um, and now, again, if you don't have that level of con- conviction and confidence, you may not end up with such a kind of a clear path in front of you. And some market research may be a good thing. And something that I do with a lot of clients. But what's interesting is now looking back, my timing was exceptional because 2018, I would say, was the early rise of career coaching as a specialty. Given all of that and how you got to your mission now and inspiring confident professionals, how are you different in this ecosystem? Because as you mentioned, it's such a burgeoning and and can also be very trendy world that you're working in. How are you different? Coaching is an interesting ballpark to play in. And just to be honest, sometimes I struggle with the word coach because of the stigmas that it can have attached to it. But it is the best marketing word and term for what I do as far as what your audience speaks. And in a way, I am I am a coach who I think what makes me unique is that, yes, I'm a coach. I'm going to help people be inspired and find motivation. But I also am playing the game with them. And that's really where my, I think my unique perspective and approach to career, specifically coaching comes is that I am very good at practical, tactical coaching and and that kind of hands-on support and guidance. I don't believe in giving inspiration as a deliverable. That's a starting point. Outcomes, jobs, clarity, direction are, those are deliverables. And I've been, it's really strange to sit here and talk about what you're great about. It's totally egotistical. And it always makes me remember why people hate interviewing. And so I'm going to qualify the next thing by saying, I'm not the one who said this about myself because <laughs> it makes okay. it less icky. But I've actually had many people tell, multiple people tell me that from a superpower perspective, I have the ability to see other people's strengths. And it's not just being able to see them, but knowing how to motivate them and spur them into action. So that's interesting. Now, what do you attribute that to, that I, superpower? I'm not quite sure because it, it it actually does not only pertain to people as I think about things in the past, but 
I am I'm almost like a potential seeker. And so I can see that little glimpse of, oh, if we did this, this is the possibility. And I think it's I think it's a combination creative strategy and vision with also that kind of like how that it's not just like this is possible, but this is how it could be possible to get there. And do you when you think about yourself when you were 10, were you the same person or did that was that a learn? Uh, I don't think it was a learned skill. Um, I think that this is a part of my kind of core DNA. I apparently if we rewind even if we rewind more years than just to 10, apparently as an infant, I was not containable. I did not want to be held. I did not want to be put in a crib. You could not tie Angie down. And I think that that was probably the fear in my parents' eyes from the time I came out. It, it's interesting because I you know, I grew up in a very small town in Western Pennsylvania that for all intents and purposes is pretty fairly conservative, traditional. And uh, the world is small there. And it was interesting because my parents, despite being very much immersed in that kind of like small town culture made me feel as if I could be anything I wanted to be. Now I think in their mind that had some parameters, like you're going to, you can be whatever you want to be. You're just going to be that for 30 years. Um, and entrepreneurship was not on the radar at all in my kind of childhood. But in hindsight, looking back on just who I am at my core, I'm intensely entrepreneurial. And now I know why I couldn't figure out what I wanted to be after college. I know why working for somebody and being in the nitty gritty of engineering never, ever fit. And this is why. And I think it's been part of me forever. And I think that the fact that you couldn't tie me down and couldn't contain me and that I was always willing, I was willing to, and within good boundaries, I was not, I was not a derelict of a kid, but I pushed boundaries. I always wanted to try new things. I was never afraid to kind of take a risk. And I always thought I can do that. And I think all of that is what... Kind of, if I think back, the, those traits have been there my whole life. I love that story and picturing you in your little play area trying to figure out how to get out of it and do something different. <laughs> I think that I love that. And you know what that also says is hearing you describe that, and it's good for people to think about think about how you were when you were little, mm-hmm. and you are you are brought into this world, and that. That's amazing. And everyone has those those superpowers. It's just being able to tap into them and not letting life and circumstance derail you from that. You totally just hit the nail on the head of what I was thinking is, you know, a, a girl's confidence and self-esteem peaks at age nine. Largely, I actually think that if we had the brain power and the cognition to understand ourselves at a deeper level at age three to nine, I feel like that's who we really are. Society changes us. And what I want to so much be in people's lives is a catalyst to owning who we're really meant to be and knowing that that's possible. That really also reinforces the fact that your ability to tap into people's potential because you know how to do that. You know how to execute it. Yeah, good word. There it is. I can see the potential, but also can figure out the kind of, I think, the steps to execute it and make it a reality. 
And that's yeah, a lot I of people that. had a disconnect there. Um, they're either kind of either an implementer or they have the vision, but connecting the two is, is challenging. Um, but it's also a little bit, it's daunting sometimes because I, let me tell you, my husband, first of all, the man deserves an award for being married. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, no offense, Jim, I'm pretty sure Jim is, Jim's mind has an auto shut off when he hears, honey, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many, how many times do you have to say that when before, like, is it five ideas or 20 ideas? Oh, I don't know. It comes out of my mouth a million times. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point it's one I mean, from, from tiny house living, which is a whole nother fun thing we should talk about someday that a lot of people don't know about me to like try to get him to start businesses. I mean, it's like a constant stream of ideas. And sometimes you have to figure out how to either a shut it off or two commit to not doing them all so that you can see others through. It's kind of like, um, sometimes I joke with people and tell them like, I, I'm a super focused driven person, but I almost have career ADD because I can't like, I'm so intensely growth minded that as soon as something hits goal, I'm like, okay, wash my hands of it. What's the next project? I don't have a sustaining bone in my body, which makes it hard to actually keep things, keep ideas going and sustainable in the long run, because as soon as they come to fruition, I'm ready to focus on the next thing. And I know that about myself now. And one of the things that's really fun about career coaching is every single person becomes a goal. So it kind of feeds that and everybody's a different project and different history. So it kind of feeds that need for let's call it variety. Yes. So I was just thinking about that and picturing if you're filling pipeline and your bandwidth, you need that relationship with your clients and they have to have that trust to know that that's the level you're bringing to your relationship. It isn't a transaction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Bringing your superpower and the fact that you had this, you know, life epiphany when you decided to start Career Benders and moving to Colorado. We know you love the outdoors. So what about being so close to nature and being able to touch it so closely and live in it inspires you? Mm. I'm going to start with a higher level and then kind of trickle down to the to the uh, the nature part. But I think that along with that kind of idea of accepting mediocrity or the status quo comes the idea that we are in this country meant to live to work. And I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you I work a lot. I love, love, love what I do, but I also make time to go out and play. And for me, the time I spend working is really to support the lifestyle that we want and all the adventures that we want to do. And that's a perspective that I encourage in my, you know, I encourage my clients to identify with as well. And um, it, there is, there's so much synergy between our personal professional lives. And I think people forget that, that how much your kind of holistic happiness is driven by what you do for work, because you do that more than anything you do in life. And I realized a lot of this, you know, I'm, I'm from Pennsylvania and then I lived in Boston and, and that kind of mentality that you are what you do is very ingrained in the culture of kind of big East coast cities. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I moved to Colorado and shortly after left engineering, I almost in a way had a little bit of an identity crisis because I'm a female engineer who went to Carnegie Mellon. And so when people would ask me what I would do, they would look at me and go, wow. And there's a certain like detachment from that that kind of kills your ego a little bit because you're like, oh, what I can't tell people this is what I do anymore. But here in Colorado, we it's like, you know, what do you do? Oh, I ski, I bike. It's, it's about what you do for fun and adventure, not necessarily 
necessarily is rooted in what you do for work. And that was a good realization for me and kind of, I think, is a good leeway into why the outdoors are so inspiring. And the big thing is we don't spend enough time in them. And there is so much kind of power and peace in being able to disconnect and go out and reconnect with something that is part of us and has always been part of us. Quiet that noise that's always in front of us, telling us what we should think about ourselves or telling us what we should do. I love, like, we backpack and turning your phone off with the exception of having the ability to take pictures for three whole days and knowing you cannot turn it off of airplane mode and get anything is like, the most empowering thing (laughs) that you can do for yourself. The outdoors and nature kind of refuel me. And I find, you know, if I'm working too much or if I haven't gone out to do something, and that's where Jim comes in. Jim is an adventurer. He loves to do all things outdoors. And I'm the opposite where I could just work all the time. And he helps balance (laughs) that and get me out and um, and playing. And it's just, it's, it's like therapy. What you described. So you had to learn and Jim helped you learn that. Oh, that absolutely. Something you were, yeah. Yeah. We, we are, a, we're, a, well, if you ever met us, we're both short little people. We call each other hobbits and we're apparently really entertaining when we're together because people always laugh at us, but we are kind of like opposite. And I think we complement each other. Um, in that, like I could work all day, he could play all day. And we remind each other that we each have to do both. Yes. Something you just said, I think, is really interesting and we'll be interested in how you describe this. How do you, you know, when you're working with your clients, how do you help them disassociate from that? Because, uh, yeah, I think, I think that is absolutely in Western society, that is. That's how. That's the first thing people ask. What do you do? Exactly. It's a hi, hi. I'm Jane. Oh, what do you do? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, For me, when I'm when I am steering, I think the best example or best way I can answer this question is when when somebody's looking at like making a bigger career change. I very much dive into who they are and what their interests are as a person, in addition to kind of what their skill as a professional is, because Mm -hmm. we can figure out how to marry those together in a way that helps their whole self push forward instead of just trying to kind of like nuance just only where they've come from professionally, but bring some of that personal into it because that's where fulfillment begins and is more satisfying. Uh, You have the benefit of living where you do. Not everyone has such easy access to the mountains like you do. I will agree. Yep. (laughs) Um, For those of us that don't live in the mountains, um, but have nature close by, what are some things that you could suggest for people to do? They can't go backpacking out their back door. What could they do to enhance that practice in their life? Sure. I think the big thing there is A, the, the disconnect part. Like leave your phone at home and go for a walk. When I lived in Boston, we used to, I had a girlfriend who she and I would do, we would call them city walks. So on Saturdays, we would go out, we would walk around the city, and then we would spend a couple hours sitting in Boston Common reading a book. And so it's kind of like, you know, my my nature, my refuge, refuge is very much the outdoors, like big mountains, extreme stuff, um, things I never would have done if when I was 22 years old, if Jim hadn't been like, let's go paddle boarding on our thir- class three whitewater, like never would have done that. <laughs> so like, we, I mean, we're like the extreme side of the outdoors, but I think that you can find a patch of grass or you can find your equivalent fresh air in just about any environment. That idea of a city walk and reading a book and just not paying attention to time. That's brilliant. 
That I sounds amazing. I miss doing it, to be honest. Sometimes like if we, we, um, Jim's family is in New York City. And sometimes I want to be like, I don't want to go to a million museums today. I want to just go walk around the city and sit and have coffee yeah. and, eat and read in a park. Like sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. Okay, so this might be a little out of the blue for you. Uh oh. <laughs> My specialty out of the blue questions. I'm okay, good. I'm not good at out of the blue. I'm a planner. Right. I'm a planner, Jane. I know. I know. Name three people you'd want to meet, living or dead, and why. Oh, I hate these questions. Okay. <laughs> so, this might take me a minute to think. Um, okay. I know. We understand. I know the. I know clearly one. Um, and. It may be cliche or not, but uh, I think it'd be super cool to meet Jesus for a whole lot of reasons. One, to get some answers. Two, to just understand more. And three, just, you know, from a faith perspective, I think that that would be an amazing conversation to be able to say that you've had. So there's like, there's my, there's one. My second on the other extreme from Jesus is Marie Forleo because I love her. A client actually once called me like a little junior Marie Forleo and she about made my life. Um, I am very, I'm very inspired by what she has done both from helping people and from building a brand for herself. Um, and I think that as two little Italians, we would have fun hanging out together. Yep. And let's see the third one. I feel like it's somebody. Mm, let's see. The third one, I feel like it's somebody more in like the academic realm um, or somebody that's made significant, you know, significant contributions to society and policy. Okay, um, like a scientist or an inventor yeah, or. Um, oh, I don't know why. I, I think I, the following is not anything I've ever thought of, but I think because we've talked so much, so much about the outdoors, like Theodore Roosevelt comes to mind because he's the one who actually founded the National Park System. And I think just also as a leader in the country during a pivotal time, I think that he could be an interesting chat. But I think that there's a whole lot of other people that could fall into that similar category of kind of like policymakers, old school disruptors before that buzzword came into play. Right. Would be just fascinating to understand their perspective on life kind of back then and what prompted them to kind of see that there needed to be this preservation or see that there needed to be, you know, this kind of this kind of new invention brought into play. I hope you have thoroughly enjoyed this edition of Flipping the Script here on the No More Mondays podcast. And stay tuned because there is a part two coming where Jane and I continue this conversation and we hope you'll tune in at a podcast list near you very soon. How's that for a teaser? As always, we would love it if you would subscribe to the No More Mondays podcast and leave us a five-star rating so that we can continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with these amazing stories with people who actually enjoy what they do. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or give guest suggestions, please visit us at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. 
For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callum, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional.